I'm Pat McKay, and this is Providence Ventures Radio, where we talk about funding the future of healthcare. That is our focus. That will always be our focus until the end of time. We have two guests with us today, Aaron Martin from Providence Ventures and Julie Yu from Kairos. Thank you both for joining me today. Thanks, Pat, for having us. Thanks, Pat. Julie, you're a Harvard, MIT, MS, and MBA, uh, which are some impressive acronyms. <laughs> if, you, if you ever get in an acronym battle, I'm going to put my money on you for sure. <laughs> I paid a lot for those things. No doubt in my mind. She's got more degrees in a hot day. That's what we always just say. <laughs> you also have an undergrad uh, computer science and pre-med degree. Uh, and to this point, you have marched a tech and health innovation focused path that has ultimately led to your position as chief strategy officer and co-founder of Kairos. Um, is that an accurate, if a little extreme, distillation of your last couple of uh uh, decades? It is, yes. It's, um, and it's uh, certainly the intersection of, of technology and healthcare has been a theme along the way. I, I spent the first seven years of my career outside of healthcare and then transitioned into the healthcare space uh, for the last uh, 10 or 11 years or so. Uh, but your, your description is accurate. So, Julie, you created Kairos um, with the other half of your founder appellation, Graham Gardner along with a team of physicians and technologists, because you saw a problem with how new patients were aligning with physicians. There was some tricky stuff going on in that process, as, as well as something you call the patient access paradox. So uh, what was going on and what is the patient access paradox? Yes, absolutely. So what we saw based on, I think, our personal experiences, my co-founder was a physician by training and had experience uh, receiving referrals that were not the right referrals for him as a cardiologist. And, you know, he, he sort of hypothesized based on that experience that there is um, a fundamental mismatch, you know, between the patients who need services and then the uh, providers that are presented to them to uh, deliver those services and um, so that was kind of one uh, data point that we used to inform our, our business model and our business um, hypothesis. And then the other piece of, of, of it was what you described as a patient access paradox. Um, that, that is really the phenomenon by which we as patients were being told to wait weeks, if not months, to get an appointment for healthcare services, typically a physician, but certainly other kinds of providers as well. And we all assume that that's because every provider in the system is booked out solid. And what we learned as we were developing our business um, plan and, and going out there into the market and, and talking with some of these potential buyers was that that was absolutely not the case, that it was actually the case that m uh, many of the large health systems across the country were operating at far below their available ca capacity, sometimes you know, 80%, sometimes as low as 60% in certain departments. And it was a combination of slots that were going completely unused. Um, so just empty slots that were wasted and obviously decayed as soon as the time passed, uh, but then also slots that were not optimally utilized. So slots with patients who were sent to the wrong doctor, as I described earlier, or slots that were being utilized by a level of provider that could have been seen by a lower acuity care provider. So obviously, if you send something like a, a headache case to a neurologist, um, that is likely something that could have been seen by a lower acuity specialist or general practitioner, PCP, 
Um, and so there were many of these instances of, of slots essentially being poorly used such that this supply-demand mismatch was exacerbated. So you and Kairos thus far, you've, you've focused on taking physician data, making it better, making it more relevant, um, with not just the aim of matching patients and providers uh, um, you know, a little bit more precisely, but also to, to get people in the right place in a more timely manner because that, that affects patient care, that affects outcomes. How big really is this problem? What, you put, it, put it in perspective. Sure. So uh, I think there's a couple of ways to think about it. Um, one is if you simply compute the untapped capacity that I described earlier, kind of the unutilized supply or appointment slots that, that go underutilized across the healthcare system, and then think about it from a revenue loss perspective, so missed revenue opportunity for a health system like Providence to take advantage of that capacity that they do have, um, we've calculated that to be an order of about a $20 billion opportunity just in the ambulatory space alone. So we're talking outpatient visits, um, you know, typical physician encounters, um, not anything to do even with the kind of the inpatient setting, which also has similar challenges, but really the opportunity set that we've focused on initially is on the ambulatory side. Um, and so that that's, you know, kind of one way to think about it. Um, the other way to think about it is obviously the kind of lost opportunity on the clinical side in terms of patients not getting the care that they need and therefore losing out on both the clinical you know, um, sort of uh, outcomes that they, they may have been able to achieve if they had gotten to the first place, uh, gotten to the right place the first time and um, the downstream cost clinical and operational implications of that. And that I would say, uh, you know, is, is part of the, the holy grail of, of measurement. If, if we were to be able to determine what that downstream clinical impact uh, looks like, um, I think we would find that that is fairly significant as well. And, and that's certainly part of our, our vision is to be able to create a new vocabulary around how you would describe that type of impact. I want to talk a little bit more about those things, uh, but I want to get Aaron uh, into the conversation here. Aaron Martin, You've been on the podcast before. You're the Executive Vice President and Chief Digital Officer for Providence St. Joseph Health, the third largest not-for-profit healthcare provider in the U.S., and you're also the Managing General Partner of Providence Ventures, a $150 million venture capital fund created on behalf of Providence St. Joseph to improve health outcomes for people in, you know, obviously a huge variety of ways. Um, but you and your partner's specific focus at Providence is to invest in best-of-breed health innovation companies that are not just ultimately, you know, going to be profitable for you guys, um, but who also add strategic value to the company. Pretty sure I, pretty sure I nailed that, right, Aaron? Yeah, you did a great job. Thanks, Pat. Um, so to be successful, Aaron, you obviously have to be very selective about who you invest in. Um, so how did Providence Ventures get involved with Kairos? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, just going back to the kind of the, the comments you made about the, the model that we, we, we have here, um, one of the ways that we kind of de-risk the investments that we make is we, we try to work with the, you know, the potential portfolio company for a while, you know, kind of solving a problem that's important to us and that we know is what we call a needle mover. And so, you know, we, our, our methodology is typically to identify these big needle moving problems, determine whether or not we already own a solution to the problem. So if, if we have a license to a technology that we're already paying for, we'll just use that. Um, and then if we don't, 
then Providence Ventures kind of kicks in. And what they do is they go out and they look for these you know, technology solutions out in the marketplace. And so we kind of went through that process early on with Kairos, um, uh, you know, almost four years ago. Um, they were um, contracted by Swedish, which is an affiliate of ours in Seattle, to stand up their call center. And we needed a solution for powering our, our, our directories. And so it's and what Kairos really does an exceptional job, is, as, as Julie kind of you know, mentioned, is um, getting to source of truth around, you know, which providers work for you, um, what they do, their scope of practice, you know, any marketing materials that you need around them so that you can kind of highlight their profile um, in, a, in a digital context through the provider directories or whatnot. And so we, you know, we worked with Kairos um, early on for about 18 months before we made an investment in them. And what's great about that model is, is you get to see um, how the company performs. Um, can they kind of deliver what, what they're saying they, they're doing? And then are you going to kind of see the, the financial results that you need to see? Um, and so Kairos uh, just absolutely in the first you know, few implementations nailed it. Um, they actually delivered um, early to our plan, which was great. Uh, and, and then since then, it's been kind of, you know, full steam ahead. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Julie, um, you know, the way Kairos sort of went about, it feels, feels really feels different for the health category. You know, I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're being different. You're being a little bit disruptive. Um, you know, you're putting the power in customers' hands. You're sort of harnessing the cloud, you know, to give people sort of this improved access to physician data. Um, so, so, you know, so good and so the right things and good things can happen in a, in a more timely fashion. This is a, 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 a more modern business narrative. Empowering your consumer is obviously prevalent in tech and other industries now, but it's not been as prevalent, at least to this point, in healthcare. How are you able to take this almost unicorn-like approach? Um, we can call it unicorny. It's more <laughs> fun. Um, how are you able to do this within a system and a culture that doesn't necessarily prioritize a modern approach? Yeah, I think the, it, it's interesting that you sort of illustrate the consumer dynamic and um, you know attribute much of the the ability for a company like us to to do what we do to the demand that's occurring on the on the consumer side. But I would say where we started uh, when we first founded Kairos was really more from just a, a pure business operations perspective, and much of our approach was actually informed by my prior experience outside of the healthcare industry. Um, my previous life was in the e-commerce uh, retail space, and um, we I worked with my first job out of college was as a software engineer for a company called Indeca, which basically developed search engine technologies for e-commerce websites. So back in the day, we powered um, you know, target.com, home depot.com, barnesandnoble.com, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the premise of our solution was how do we enable a, um, a brand to number one, create a systematic catalog, a digital catalog of all their products, understand what SKUs they have, and then what the inventory around those SKUs are, as well as all, obviously all the descriptions and, and categorization of those products, and then enable distribution of that product via multiple channels, whether it be in the retail setting in person, uh, whether it be via call centers who um, were operating as, you know, kind of back in the day as, as one of the major ways by which you would order things from a Lanzan catalog or, or what have you, um, and ultimately the website. 
And, you know, so much of what I learned through that experience and the opportunity for technology to play a role in creating efficiencies around those business operations was really the model that we sort of brought into the healthcare space around uh, in a similar way to understanding what your products are. Uh, how do you understand who your providers are, who your physicians are, um, as, as Aaron mentioned, what they do, who they see under what circumstances, and ultimately what their inventory is in the form of appointments, and then create means for you know not just consumers, but really frontline staff who are serving those consumers to be able to access those providers um, efficiently. So that was really um, you know one of the major kind of I would say inspirations for the model that we took was thinking about it from kind of the business operations angle. I think in recent years, and certainly now, um, I think the consumer side of that equation is absolutely a primary driver of adoption of those capabilities. I think it's no longer the case that a health system can afford to not be looking at you know, the experience that their patients have and just the challenges that they face um, to, to get a, something as quote-unquote simple as an appointment booked. And um, I think that's what's resulted in such tremendous adoption of our platform in recent years is really that recognition. Well, it makes sense. I mean, if you're really able to make your customers, you know, these, these, the, the schedulers, the people on the staffs that, whose job it is to, to, to make things happen for, for patients out there, you know, if you're able to put that much power in their hands, you're essentially you're handing it off and, and making the experience much better for everybody. Um, um, so, Aaron... Um, before joining Providence, you you worked at Amazon on the Kindle business, a business, you know, predicated on putting a vast library of reading material in 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 people's hands in you know in in, in a much more in, in a, well in an incredibly timely fashion. So I think you more than most understand the importance of sort of empowering people, um, dealing with a ton of information and figuring out how to 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 move it efficiently. So that the end result is a, is, is a happy customer, a happy consumer. Did did any of your experience at Amazon or on the Kindle business sort of come into the into that into that first pitch meeting with these guys, or in the, or the first time you 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 heard about them uh, or, or talked with them sitting around a table? Yeah, I think um, it, it's possible that if you know perhaps if everything you know if, if all you have is hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. But um, but you know when I first talked to the the team at Kairos, you know, I had a very kind of simplistic online retail mindset about this, which was, you know, you need different kind of components for what you're doing online, even in healthcare. And so, you know, the, the, the first kind of two basic components are, um, you know, you need a catalog of, of the services that you sell. And so at, at the end of the day, um, you know, from a digital standpoint, what we're really doing is, 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 you know, online is, is just, you know, providing access to clinicians time, uh, online and allowing people to kind of, you know, book appointments online. And then the same thing goes on with the call center as well as, you know, being able to call in and, you know, and find the right uh, clinician that kind of fits your needs. Um, and that's fundamentally, you know, the notion of a catalog, if you want to kind of draw an Amazon analogy, um, and then also the shopping cart, which is, you know, the kind of the booking part of the platform. When I <clears throat> talk to other health systems, um, you know, who are kind of just starting down this kind of this journey in digital, you know, I, I, 
I talk about these kind of fundamental building blocks um, that you, you need as just kind of the basic infrastructure to be able to provide these services online. And, it's, and Kairos provides, you know, a catalog and, and a shopping cart effectively for services. A very, a very necessary one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't do, you can't, you can't do much online if you can't, you know, select the, the, the product or service and you can't buy it. Right. So that's basically what Kairos allows you to do. Well, yeah, I mean, I try to imagine that, you know, if, if during your, in your Amazon days, if one quarter of the information sort of sitting out there was, uh, was, you know, was, was, was wrong or, or, or off in some ways, you know, how, how long before that really starts to affect your bottom line and, or in your business model or, or even just, you know, threaten your revenue? I will tell you that, I mean, that's a really great question because that was something that Amazon struggled with about the time that I got there uh, because they had just launched um, uh, what's, what's, what's called their, mar- their third party or their marketplace product. And what was great about it was it was creating a lot of new selection much, much faster than if they could kind of, you know, go out to a vendor, buy the product and retail it themselves, right? So it's kind of a hybrid of kind of the eBay auction model, but, you know, allowing third-party retailers to sell on their, their platform. So it's very controversial, famous decision that, that Jeff made, you know, to kind of rapidly increase selection than he otherwise could. The downside of it was when you had basically the self-service ability for these merchants to put products on the Amazon catalog, sometimes they wouldn't do a great job of doing, you know, describing what the product was. And sometimes it, they would create unintentionally duplicate listings within the, the catalog. And so this is, you know, not an unusual pro- problem. It is just uh, something that I think online retailers like Amazon and eBay and all those folks have solved, you know, kind of a decade before we in healthcare have. And thank God Julie and Kairos came along. Um, so, Julie, I, I, I want to talk about, you know, for other young innovation health entrepreneurs, I want to talk about uh, the relationship between you and Providence Ventures. You know, how does how how does that work for you guys? Um, you know, has the Providence team sort of helped contribute to your evolution? You know, um, um, do you feel like, you know, you're you're helping them strategically evolve things that they want to do? I'm just I'm, just, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective um, uh, how that relationship works. Yeah, absolutely. A, a vehement yes to the question of whether uh, Providence has allowed us to, um, you know, A, just, just simply do what we envisioned if we wanted to do, but also push the envelope on uh, both how quickly we do that, as well as, um, you know, how what, what direction we ultimately take as we iterate, as we grow. So, um, you know, as Aaron mentioned, we, we were partners with Providence prior to the investment coming in. And uh, one of the reasons that we chose to go down the route of having a strategic investor um, in Providence was just that alignment of um, how we viewed and defined the possible future. And you heard Aaron use the same language that I was using to describe, you know, product catalog. And I, I distinctly remember, actually, Aaron, probably, yeah, I don't know if you remember this, but on our literally our first call that we had with you, um, you started asking about, uh, merchandising um, capabilities, and you know, he used all this language where you know, folks on on my side, we our our hearts start started fluttering, and we said, "Oh my gosh, this guy using our language!" And you know, and this was you know, this was what uh, three years into Kairos, so we had already been on the market for three years, and you know, remember we had spent three years talking to hospital IT teams and operators 
who were trying to figure out like what this cloud thing was, right? So having very basic conversation about, um, you know, kind of fundamental technology layers of the stack. And then all of a sudden we get, um, you know, introduced to someone who, again, really sees the future in the same way that we do. So that was the um, sort of the, the beginning of what ultimately became this very progressive relationship. And, you know, I would say um, we have received a ton of help from Providence, specifically as an early access customer to help us battle test new capabilities that perhaps are still a bit ahead of their time with regards to the rest of the market. But, you know, we know that um, we need to work with a real organization and, you know, get the kinks out um, and really understand how those use cases play out before maybe taking it to general availability. And um, because Providence has always been on the leading edge of how they think about patient access, how they think about leveraging technology in that equation, um, and always just having a very strong, I would say, mission orientation to um, how they go about doing that. That has been a, a huge, um, and I hate using the word sandbox because it sort of indicates that it's a pilot environment, that you're trying things out that may or may not scale. But um, everything that we've done thus far with Providence has actually uh, been able to scale, as Aaron alluded to earlier, um, across a massive organization. I mean, Providence is one of the largest health systems in the country. And of course, that makes them larger than most of our customers um, in our book of business. And so the ability to prove that something could work in their system, even though every organization has their differences and their nuances, um, really, uh, for, for us, de-risks um, you know, the notion of, of taking it to the broader market. So um, there have been multiple instances where we've been able to do that. In addition to that, I think the other piece of this that's extremely critical for us and um, something that we hold ourselves to is it, it can't just be the innovative things that, you know, that may never hit the market, right? Again, Providence is way ahead of many of our customers in terms of their vision for how they do things. And it's not guaranteed that every organization will get there in, in a time frame that is you know, fast enough to sort of support um, our product development cycle. And so at the same time as us doing these leading edge projects, we also have deployed our core solution at Providence um, in a pretty systematic way. So the call center solution that um, Aaron mentioned was our first implementation. Um, that is our, our sort of bread and butter product. And um, we you know, view that as kind of an anchor point uh, with Providence that, um, again, we, we're not just working on things that are shiny balls, but you know, things that are uh, really um, you know, sort of core and almost mainstream uh, with regards to the rest of our, our book of business. So that's sort of how we've balanced um, you know, those aspects of the relationship. Aaron, you've, you, um, um, well, by now, you've, you've been working with a lot of young health field, um, you know, innovation companies, um, you know, so you run into a lot of folks just like Julie who are very smart, very focused, I would guess, you know, at times very headstrong um, um, or, 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 or very convincing about the directions that they, uh, they like to go. What, do you have any advice for uh, for other you know young companies or, or health innovators out there on on how to, on how to to work with investors in an environment where you've got tons of smart people sitting around a table and a lot of A type personalities? Yeah, I, I think um, you know a piece of advice I always give, and I think uh, Kairos is a is a really great example of this. Is you you have to earn the right to be a platform, and what I mean by that is you know. Whenever I see a pitch from an early stage company, I always look for kind of two stories, the short story and the long story, or the small story and the big story. And the small story is generally, um, you know, here is how we're going to return the investment on this platform 
uh, within you know less than 12 months, let's say. So it's a very kind of focused discussion around you have this problem that you think is big um, that we can kind of help you confirm is big. And here, here is the investment you need to make on our platform. And here's how we're going to kind of return that investment, either from a financial standpoint or a clinical standpoint or a customer service standpoint or all three, hopefully. And so Kairos did a really good job of that, which was basically they just said, look, you know, our fundamental value proposition is once you get consumer data organized, uh, I'm sorry, the physician data organized and you help improve the match, you're going to increase the conversion rate the rate at which um, patients and physicians are, are accurately matched. You're going to increase customer satisfaction from that because you're not just matching, uh, you know, patients with kind of random physicians, but you're matching them closer to what their actual needs are. And that's going to result in, you know, much higher, um, you know, like a higher financial ROI, a high customer satisfaction ROI, and probably long-term a higher clinical ROI because they're getting the, 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 the care that they need. So it's a great, what you know, small story, which is sounds like a big story, right? But the bigger story when you're looking at, so that's what, and, and, and the reason why I think that's really important is because that's what the customer needs to hear and needs to understand kind of day one when you first kind of darken their door, right? Um, what the investor and what the, 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 the C-suite needs to understand. So, you know, so me as, you know, kind of putting on now, you know, the, the Providence Ventures had as well as the chief digital officer had is, okay, so what's the, what's the longer, bigger story? How does this turn into a platform versus kind of a point solution? And that has been also, you know, Kairos has done a really good job in that aspect of it as well in terms of just talking about how, look, you know, ultimately um, the data around clinicians can be used in many, many different ways that are interesting from a strategic standpoint and that can support other, you know, kind of, you know, parts of the organization that you haven't even really thought about. So they, they then kind of branched into kind of, you know, the notion around referral management where you've got a kind of multiple EMR type of scenario, um, you know, where you can't do referrals really effectively within your own EMR, but you're kind of working with a, a wide group of folks with different EMRs, let's say, um, you know, just the strategic value as an investor of like, you know, building a database, a source of truth of say the, you know, the top 400,000 or so clinicians, you know, employed by IDNs, that is, that has got, you know, really interesting strategic implications in terms of being able to kind of become a marketing platform uh, for those services. And so it's that kind of small story, big story that I always listen for. And Kairos did a really exceptional job of kind of being able to kind of articulate both. Let's, uh, I want to talk about a movie real quick. Um, I always seem to find ways to talk about movies in this podcast for some reason, at least so far. Anyways, I really enjoyed the movie Moneyball. For me, it was script, the casting, Bennett Miller, who's another one of my favorite directors. You know, he got these terrific performances. Um, he created a world that was very convincing in a way I'd never seen before. And yeah, the idea of using data to create this baseball super team on a very, you know, on a small budget was, was cool too. Uh, Julie, I heard you're a fan of that movie as well. 
Um, and, I, and I know you've talked about this before, but I'd love to just quickly hear uh, what you liked about it. Moneyball was a huge inspiration for why we started the, the business. And um, it really it goes back to that fundamental premise of how sabermetrics, which obviously was the kind of the premise behind the Moneyball story, um, this notion of taking a statistical approach to studying um, the performance of individual players and then using that to inform both how you recruit those players, but then also under what circumstances those players perform well. Um, that was moving away from a practice of anecdote where scouts would eyeball a player running on the field and make determinations purely based on observation. And again, this goes back to my, my co-founder's um, experience as a physician where you know, he said, gosh, that's literally how referrals are made today. We eyeball uh, a, a doctor. We maybe trained with him. We uh, hung out with him in the doctor's lounge. And that becomes the guy that I send my uh, hip cases to. But I have no fundamental understanding of whether or not he even does hip cases, uh, whether or not he accepts the insurance of the patient that I'm sending to him, whether or not he's even geographically close to the patient uh, in terms of where that patient lives or where they work. And then, of course, what their availability is. And, and yes, if he's a buddy of mine, he'll probably you know, move around his, his slots and make it work. But um, at the end of the day, it was purely anecdotal, uh, kind of how those matches were being made. And the time at which we founded the business was when data liquidity was really becoming a thing for the first time in healthcare. Um, you know, meaningful use and high tech had created the digitization of the EHR infrastructure. And for the first time, we were seeing the opportunity, not just around storing patient information, but really leveraging information out of that infrastructure for other applications. And so, you know, the core um, sort of question that we asked ourselves was given the fact that now there is all this information out there about provider performance, about where they trained, about what their specific clinical expertise is at the diagnosis and procedure level, uh, information about insurance, locations, availability, et cetera, uh, could we take a moneyball approach to uh, understanding what physicians are good and, and not good at and then putting them up to bat with the right patient? So moneyball, I love the movie. I love the book actually. I read the book first um, before I saw the movie. And um, you know I think that uh, as I just described, was a huge inspiration behind kind of the concept that we ultimately developed in Provider Match. You guys pass the book out to new employees still? We do. We pass out two books. We, we pass out the Moneyball book and then um, another book called Unaccountable. Um, it is written by Dr. Uh, Marty Macquery, who is um, a clinical advisor to us. And it's a story about uh, exactly this. The, it's a kind of an insider view on how referrals are made and how doctors make recommendations and uh, sort of gets to that same core issue of moving away from relying on either anecdote or memory or personal relationship into a more data-driven approach. You know, you get inspired. A lot of a lot of young, you know, uh, innovators in 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 the health field have aha moments, and, and you know, they get inspired by by things out there in the world. Um, but it's hard it's hard to execute on that. It's hard to find, um, you know, a relationship uh, with an investor like Providence or find a guy like Aaron to work with. What what advice can you can you give you know young people who you know who who have an, an idea, they get inspired, you know, how do they, how do they find somebody like Aaron? Gosh, well, um, you know, I think I'll start by kind of giving some general advice about entering into this space, which is, and I'll echo a lot of what Aaron said, which is, I think you, you, you can, you, you should only get into this space if you have a long view on um, digital health in general, on whatever the concept is that 
um, you're working on. I, this is not an industry to enter into if you want to flip a company for a billion dollars in a year. Um, you know, this is a really, um, it's an early market, right? The, the concept of digital health didn't even exist when we first started Kairos. And I think we're, I like to say that we're almost uh, kind of in the 1997 of the internet era in some ways where, um, you know, we don't even understand yet the full kind of market cap potential of the kinds of companies like Kairos that are being built right now. And um, I think there will be years, if not decades more of, you know, infrastructure development, standards development, um, you know, application development, teaching users, you know, how to interact with these kind of systems and fundamentally change the way that they interface with the industry. Um, and so I think, you know, the long view piece to me is, um, is a really important one to anchor yourself on and, you know, really push yourself to think about uh, what that means for you personally before you kind of take the leap into this space. Um, and I think to that end, um, you know, as we were raising venture capital, we were we're a tech company and uh, obviously operating in the healthcare space. And um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs think, should I raise venture from tech investors or should I raise money from healthcare oriented investors? And, you know, I think now there is a pretty robust landscape of folks who are focused on digital health. Um, there certainly w- was not when we first started Kairos. There were folks who were you know, historically in, in healthcare services investing or life sciences investing um, that, you know, thought that they could move into this space. Um, but now there there is kind of a niche set of, of investors um, kind of right smack dab at that intersection. I think that's something to think about is, um, you know, tech, tech investors uh, will not necessarily appreciate the nuances of this industry. And, um, you know, that said, if you choose to partner with uh, investors who are focused on healthcare and who have that Long, longitudinal domain expertise in this domain, it is um, it is awesome if that if that person or that team also has the technology experience and expertise and perspective that they can then balance against that. So, um, in some ways, um, Aaron is very much a unicorn, and there are very very few individuals, uh, if any other, that I, I I don't know that I can even name one off the top of my head who have that. Um, <laughs> that balanced um, experience set and, and therefore just a very, very unique perspective. So, you know, I think it's actually not hard to find Aaron because Aaron is so well known out there in the industry. And if anything, he's probably, um, you know, every day tackling thousands of emails coming into his inbox. I think it's more, you know, how do you um, find the, the right partner around the area that you are, are, are focused on from a business? It, it just so happened that, again, the areas that Aaron did have expertise aligned so nicely with our areas of focus. Um, and so, you know, that was ultimately kind of the, the final uh, straw that, you know, really led us to, um, you know, take that leap and, and say that we're, we're going to invest long term in this relationship. But it'll be different for every company. And, um, you know, I think, as I said earlier, there has been a lot of movement and, and creation of funds that are dedicated to this particular segment, which is great for the new entrepreneurs who are entering into this segment. So um, I think there's a, a, a much more robust pool of, of teams and, and individuals to choose from today than there were when we first started Kairos. Yeah, I would add, I would add to what Julie's saying in that, you know, how, how Prop Ventures is structured is we try to, um, so I've got, you know, three investing partners that, um, you know, that, that I work with. And um, so, you know, Dan Gallus, uh, Jeff Stolte, and Christiana Del Rosa, and they all have particular areas of focus where they can kind of bring a lot of expertise to the table. I just happen to have, um, you know, kind of an, an overlap between healthcare and e-commerce, what I would say, which makes sense for me to kind of work with the, the Kairos team. Um, but for instance, you know, Christiana Del Rosa 
Um, you know, she uh, manages our investment in Omada and, and Lyra. So kind of, you know, think kind of chronic disease as well as N of one. And she is a scientist by training and as, as well as an investor. And in those, in that space, you know, the real kind of, you know, part that you got to get right in terms of the intersection with the health system is, you know, is, is, uh, um, is, 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 is quantifying the result through kind of, you know, peer reviewed, um, research, right? So she, she has added a ton of value to her portfolio companies in terms of thinking through, all right, so your solution works, but how do you kind of correlate the clinical outcomes to the financial outcomes and, and those types of things through, you know, kind of, you know, peer reviewed studies, right, is, is one area in which she's exceptionally good about thinking about because she's done that for her entire career. Um, you know, Jeff Stolte came out of Ascension Ventures and he, um, you know, has got huge expertise in kind of healthcare IT and core systems uh, and, you know, and, and, and especially in the inpatient environment as well as some ambulatory. And so things like RevCycle, things like, um, you know, uh, he sits on the board of a company called In-Demand Interpreting, which is used as a, as a interpretation platform that's used within hospitals, binary fountain, you know. So he, he kind of manages in Iris. He manages these, you know, kind of clinical kind of hybrid, you know, services as well as, uh, you know, tech-enabled services platforms. And then Dan Gallus is a very similar background coming from HLM. Uh, and, and he, you know, kind of works with our investment in Prescani, which is a very, you know, very, 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 very late stage investment. Uh, it's a very mature company as well as um, Gauss Surgical. So, again, uh, there's a lot of experience in kind of, you know, uh, medical devices uh, and then also uh, tech enabled services. And so, you know, one of the good decisions we made early on is to hire this expertise of folks that have been making investments for you know, decades um, in the space. So, and then kind of, you know, looking at the different kind of inbound, um, you know, as well as kind of, you know, doing thesis driven uh, investing uh, so that we can kind of, uh, you know, leverage our kind of background and expertise in different areas. I want to go back to, to the, the, the long view um, you know, comment that uh, Julie had made. Um, so just, just quickly, just we just got a little bit of time left here. Um, so what's uh, you know between between you know Providence Ventures, Aaron, you and 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 Julie and your team at Kairos One, what's uh, what what are you thinking on the future there? Are you are you are you evolving Kairos One and provider match and, and and you know continuing to try to make that an even better product, or do you got uh, potentially a new product on the horizon? Um, just would would be quickly be fun to know. Yes. So uh, absolutely always continuing to innovate on the core platform, which is our provider match suite of products. Um, you know, the, the products that we've been alluding to, whether it be our call center solution, that was really our flagship product uh, that's now being used by, um, you know, a couple dozen health systems across the country. Uh, we have a consumer facing online scheduling solution that is, um, you know, one of the fastest growing areas of our product portfolio. And then our referral management solution, which which Aaron mentioned, um, and then really the underlying pr- pr- uh, 
pr provider catalog piece, which is Kairos One. So those, those areas are, are constantly evolving. We're doing a ton of work around integrations um, as we bring on more and more uh, clients. At this point, we have about 130,000 providers on our system that, as you can imagine, represent um, hundreds of different systems with which we need to integrate to both get to their data, but also get to their schedules. And so we're doing a tremendous amount of investment there. Um, so that, you know, comprises you know, a good majority of the, of the focus of our, our team. Um, that said, we are always um, looking to not only launch new products, but also explore new market segments. Um, I'll sort of repeat a little bit of what Aaron said earlier. We, we definitely think about Kairos in terms of the billion dollar Kairos and then the $10 billion Kairos. And, you know, in the, in the billion dollar Kairos, that's the market opportunity that we're going after now, selling to core health systems, helping them improve this patient access paradox. Um, the, the $10 billion Kairos um, really takes us into how do we truly become the definitive routing layer for all patient provider matches that occur across the country, not just those that are facilitated through the health system, which is really kind of the last mile, but you know, thinking about all of the possible entry points that patients might have, whether it be through health, uh, health plans, whether it be through employers, whether it be through some of the novel channels that we're now seeing, CVS minute clinics and telehealth and, and things of that sort. So um, you know, there's a number of opportunities that we're starting to explore um, folks have probably seen some of the recent announcements that we've made with partnerships uh, with companies in those domains that allow us to really stand on the shoulders of giants in some ways um, as we enter into those new markets. So yes, constantly um, essentially doing both of what you asked, uh, both continuing to develop our core while um, always you know, pushing ourselves to uh, stay ahead of the curve and, and um, just grow the ultimate opportunity that we're, we're going after. You both certainly have your work cut out for you um, now and, and, and heading down the road. I, uh, I can't thank you enough, Aaron Martin and Julie Yu, for being with me today. Hey, thanks so much. Thank you for having us. That's the conclusion of this episode of Providence Ventures Radio, where we talk about funding the future of healthcare. If you have any questions or suggestions for the show or just want to tell us you appreciate the heck out of us, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Check out the Prov Innovation channel on Medium and leave your thoughts or follow Providence Ventures on Twitter. Thank you for listening, and I'll, I'll talk to you next time.